This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. That's right, it's NFL Friday. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Week 10 edition. Alongside me is Mir Gori, Emmanuel Berbari to my right, and Lauren Russell is our fantasy expert for the evening. And Don Muscarello, of course, is producing our show, Behind the Glass. Why don't we get right into it? Thursday night football, you guys. The ever-controversial Thursday night football. We see another big star going down last night. That's Richard Sherman, but the Seahawks... With a narrow victory over the Cardinals, 22-16. Guys, what are your takeaways from this game? The Seahawks weren't going to go to the Super Bowl even with Sherman in. Um, now they've lost Sherman, and Sherman has kind of been on the decline for, I'd say, the last year and a half. Okay, so like the last about 20, 23 games. So for me, the the loss was not as big. But what what made it such a big loss, because even though they won, I felt like this was the game they lost, was because Sherman is a locker room guy. And the locker room really loves him and respects him. And because they lost him, I think they're going to lose a bit of direction. I see them finishing maybe 14th or 15th in, um, in that order in the draft, you know, because they're going to miss the playoffs. So that already inherently puts them at like 20 and lower, I think. So that was kind of my reaction to the game. It was a sloppy win. You know, offense was kind of eh. You know, that, that, that uh, you know, Russell Wilson play was pretty cool, you know, where he was, yeah. he was pushed all the way back. You know, it looked like a Michael Vick play, and then he, he, he tossed it up to, to Graham. That looked good. So I was happy about that, but that was it. I have a similar takeaway. I don't think the loss of Sherman is going to affect where the Seahawks finish that much, especially considering when you look about at them and the Rams in their division – the Seahawks have a significantly easier schedule in my eyes the rest of the way, but it's not going to change exactly where they would finish. Neither side last night was particularly impressive. Neither ran the ball that well. It was one of those games that was a little bit up in the air, and let's face it, the better team won in Seattle. But moving forward, I don't think that means that much for the NFC West picture. Yeah, and so last night I want to get your guys' take on this. I was just watching the game and watching Arizona play up so well, so nicely against, you know, a decent, a pretty darn good NFC team in Seattle Seahawks. But I was wondering while watching the game, are are we seeing all the weaknesses of the Seahawks? Or was that a game where the Cardinals really stepped it up and, and just they played them well? You know, basically, if you're a Seahawks fan, how nervous are you? Did you get played well last night, more of a one-off? Or did you expose some serious weaknesses? Among them, I'm thinking all those penalties, especially on third down. They had like seven or eight third down stops that ended up being first due to penalties. So two things that need to to, to be addressed. First, these bars right here where we're sitting really drive me crazy because <laughs> I, I can't see your wonderful face, Tommy. And then Berbers <laughs> is kind of like on this corner. Lauren, at least I see her pretty well. So I honestly, the Seahawks spot was beautiful. But the second thing that needs to be addressed <laughs> is if the Cardinals had started the season off two weeks ago, I think they would be a team that could make a run deep in the playoffs. But I think they built such a hole, a big hole for themselves. Peterson made the wrong choice of going to the Saints instead of the Cardinals. And I think the Cardinals are a team that, you know, their defense was really good two years ago. Their defense is starting to age. They lost Tony Jefferson. It's kind of disappointing watching that game. It was two teams that used to be great and aren't great anymore. And 
I think that's what it was. It's just sloppiness starts coming into play because they get complacent. You know, they know they're old. They know they're kind of winding down. And I, it just seemed like that kind of game. And know? Arizona was a team that underperformed in the beginning of the year and kind of came around yeah, at the wrong the time, as, as you were so, mentioning. I Emmanuel, think if you're a yeah. Seahawks fan, are you worried about this team going forward as a prominent NFC player? Yeah, I said the game wouldn't shape up how they finish that much, but I would be a little bit concerned because I don't think there's a playoff team right now, especially minus Sherman. Russell Wilson gets sacked five times. You don't run the ball well. Arizona's defense came to play, and you were basically played really well by a team that shouldn't really be at your level at this stage of the season. So I think it's a little troubling if you're looking at the grand scheme of things for Seattle, but as far as where they'll finish, I still think they're a little short of the playoffs, and they're a right in that middle of the, of the playoffs. Both yeah, you guys, 15th. Both you guys. They'll be 15th right, so, or something like so that. So we got the NFC West standings up here. The Rams. It's funny. It used to be the Cardinals. Well, it used to be the, the three really good teams were the Niners, Cardinals, and Seahawks, and, and the Cardinals always a little worse than those guys, but playing them well. But now it's the Rams. So the Rams, 6-2. and two. The Seahawks are 6-3. and three. Cardinals four and five, and then you have the Forty Nineers are zero and nine. So the the Rams are, are are you guys both saying you expect them to finish solidly in first in this division? You know that team last year they got really hot and shouldn't have been like the Falcons. That's what the Rams are looking like right now. They shouldn't be as good as every as as they are, and people aren't aren't really you know aren't, weren't really expecting them to be this good. And you know their defense is pretty good this year. It wasn't great like it was five years five or six years ago. So, you know, players that kind of like fell off the map are kind of getting back into it. Um, like like I'm, I'm, I'm missing on, on, on a couple players' names, but their linebacking core for sure for the Rams is playing out of their minds this year. Ogletree. Like Ogletree, yeah, the Georgia guy. I'm, I'm missing on a couple of names as, as well as him that were great. But, you know, the Rams just look like the team like a Falcons, last year's Falcons team. You know, they're going to find a way to make them playoffs. They'll make a deep run. I don't know if they'll win the Super Bowl, but they'll make a deep run. So you're sticking with the Rams, though, as your NFC West pick. You don't see anyone overtaking them. No, 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 I really don't. And, I really and neither don't. do I. I. I think the Rams are bound to cool off a little bit. I think they've overperformed, and they still have some tough matchups on their schedule still to play. Uh, Arizona, I wouldn't really call a tough matchup, but they still have to play Philadelphia, have to play Seattle at CenturyLink, which is going to be a challenge in itself. And then you still have to play, who is it? Minnesota isn't an easy matchup either. So there are some tough games, and I still think there are some games that you'll think the Rams will head in and they'll win the game easily and, and, and they'll falter and lose. I'm viewing them as more of a 10-6, and 11-5 team. I think that'll be enough, though, in, in the NFC West. Interesting, both you guys going with really the young, the, 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 new, the, the new guard overtaking the old guard, sort of a lot of veterans on that team in Seattle, and you guys are both counting them out of the playoffs. Interesting. Uh, for Arizona, I mean, one thing, can we just talk about Adrian Peterson didn't really accumulate the stats last night. But he clearly running the ball may not be the same guy as he was, but he's really an upper echelon player in the league right now, and I think it's super impressive what he's doing. And, and Tommy, that's why when you see last night, you understand why Sooner fans always keep telling the national media, and I tell you, it's all day, not AP, because all day means this guy can really, all day he can bring it, no matter if he's zero <laughs> years old or 100 years old. Eight, like That's the thing that people need to understand. Athletes, their 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 athleticism will always diminish 
but the level of athleticism that they have that is so much higher than others will still that ratio will still always remain no matter how old Adrian Peterson will get and he'll get at some point ineffective but the for the average person his age he's going to always look amazing yeah I, I wouldn't say it was effective though last night no You're no no, at no a no, yard no. and a half for he Gary. wasn't he really no, wasn't. I, no no <laughs> there was nothing going to be fair but that's yeah, what yeah, his yeah. End. but that's what Tommy and I are saying is that even though he wasn't effective he's still Adrian Peterson you know and he's still what 34 you I know? can respect that I mean yeah. that's that's impressive what he did for a 34-year-old last time. He like the what was it on Sunday? He took 37 carries and rushed for 158 yards. I mean, he's 34, guys. Yeah. No, it's impressive. and he took 21 last night. Yeah, I mean, something that's also impressive to me. Just 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 going back to it because we're talking about the NFC West and both you guys counting the Seahawks out of the playoffs. There. Their roster, it's a pretty good one. I mean, they have good players all over the place. I don't really know what was holding them back yesterday. It looked to be their offense, really, in the offensive line, but they did get Dwayne Brown from Houston. It's going to be an interesting finish there, undoubtedly in the West, but for now, we'll wrap up talking about Thursday Night Football. I just have one point to make. I just have one point to make. The reason I don't see the Seahawks beyond the fact that I just don't think they're, they're <laughs> Both there Both you guys want to go back on the fact that they're is, not going to make the playoffs now. It is because, because I want more justification. I don't just want to be making a baseless statement. I think the Cowboys will find their way into the playoffs. No, it's it, and it's a wild card thing. Yeah, so there is Panthers have the number one defense in football right now, and the Lions have a really easy remainder of their schedule. So there are three teams that I think could finish with 10 or 11 wins. And I don't think the Seahawks get to 10 or 11 wins. My, That's my point. point simply is next year they're going to need to restructure their approach to w- the way they win. Russell Wilson will need to run. They're going to need to run more. They need to go away from passing because that has not worked. And then their defense needs to be built more from the front seven. They got Sheldon, Richard- Sheldon Richardson. Deion Jordan is in. This was his first week since 2014 that he's actually played due to injuries and suspensions. And also... You know, Wagner's still a good good linebacker. Great. You know, Avril will come back. You know, they, they've, they've got guys on the front seven that they, they need to emphasize more as their game plan. They need to run the ball more. Absolutely. With the with the amount of talent on that roster, I'm really not – I'm not going to lose – It's a restructuring. Hope that the, the dynasty will, will cool off. But for now, Lauren, I'm having just an awful fantasy season. So if you could, <laughs> how about – tell me, who are some studs this week? Some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. After a strong performance in Green Bay, Matthew Stafford is a fantasy stud this week. Stafford will be facing off against a weak Browns defense that has allowed the fourth most fantasy points to an opposing quarterback this season. The Lions will also have home field advantage, which means even more this week because the Browns have given up eight touchdowns on the road this year. Jarvis Landry is hot right now. He's caught four touchdowns in his last five games. Landry is has a favorable matchup this week against a Panthers defense that has allowed seven touchdowns to slot receivers. The Dolphins wideout will look to continue to exploit this part of the Panthers defense, making him a fantasy stud this week. Evan Ingram is a fantasy stud as well this week and is becoming an every week start due to the decimated Giants receiving corps. In each of his last two games, the tight end has seen 10 plus targets. Ingram has a touchdown in each of his last three games and will look to continue the streak against a winless 49ers team. Look to get these names in your lineup this week. Evan Ingram, a guy I'm just absolutely loving. He really is becoming an every week type of player. I mean, 
I've been saying this in the rookie report, Tommy. He's That's what crazy. I've been saying. And, and <laughs> he's with, really good. With all this chatter of blowing up the Giants that's been in the media this past week, I'm saying let's keep whoever fell in love with Evan Ingram because he was kind of su- su- surprising. Been, I, I, I told I told Breeden this the, the, the day of the draft. You know, we were we were arguing over things and I, he was like, Oh, I don't like that Ingram got drafted over an no, offensive lineman. And I was like, you know, the Wisconsin guy that went to the Saints, uh, Kumchak, I think, or, or Kamchak, uh, he, he's been okay for the Saints so far. I mean, there were really not that many offensive lineman options in the draft. And Ingram is a great guy. And you know what? When I predicted that the, the, the Giants were going to beat the Broncos, I said the reason why was because either Gallman's going to go off or Ingram is going to be a reliable guy. They're going to see. And the Giants fan base that's been bashing Ingram needs to realize, hey, look, He's not the offensive lineman that we all wanted. However, he's a value pick. For you mean that. blocking wise? Because well, also he's not just he's not lineman. Well, he's exactly that's my point. He's not. Oh, an he's not going to fix. Yeah, the he's problems. not what the, yeah. he's, he's not what the Giants wanted. But yeah. the point is, at at twenty one, who is a better option, Ingram or or, or Kamchek, at, who ended up getting picked thirty second? I think that Kamchek, more like Njoku. Who's Kamchek? Uh, he's I the offensive. He was the offensive lineman. Oh, from Ryan Ramschick. Ramschick, sorry. Yes, that was the debate. Sorry, I understand what you're I'm saying. I'm sorry, I'm mixing up the no, names. No, 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 no. Sorry, I, I got you. I got so, you. So the thing hold is, hold on, we get, we gotta. Oh, okay, sorry. Just because you know, it, I'm so hyped The college show <laughs> will be next, but let us let us move on now to the Jets. Why not? I think we have a Jets report ready. There's definitely no shortage of storylines in this week's Jets Bucks game. Ex-Jet Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting at QB for Tampa because Jameis Winston's got a bum shoulder. The Jets haven't faced a former starting quarterback since Brett Favre and the Vikings in 2010. Not to mention the fact that Tampa's star wideout Mike Evans is suspended one game for a fight with Marshawn Lattimore of the Saints, a fight that Winston instigated. On the New York side, wide receiver and return man Jeremy Curley was suspended four games for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins, who was suspended for the first two games of the season, faces the team that cut him loose after a DUI arrest last September. Oh, and running back Matt Forte hasn't practiced all week due to swelling in his knee. Now that we've got all that covered, a quick reminder for those who missed last week's report, the Jets handled the Bills 34-21 on Thursday Night Football to improve to 4-5. They're in the basement of the AFC East, but the playoffs are still, at least mathematically, a possibility. However, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, Gang Green still has a 25% chance of landing a t- Well, it's the Jets versus the Bucks. This week, and you guys, last time the Jets played, they outright dominated the Bills. I mean, they really took it to them on Thursday Night Football in front of everybody and a fellow AFC East opponent, the Bills are. So the Jets, they've outperformed the heck out of what everyone was expecting them to be. I mean, 4-5 and five right now, they should have been what the Giants are in one and seven, if not zero and nine at that point. At this point, the Jets coming in really, people wrote them out. Worst roster in the league, worst offense of all time. Some people I heard saying so. The Jets they've really 
overperformed. And I get that, but I think I'm ready to slow my roll on this team. And, and yes, they're outperforming us. They may finish 7-9, and 8-8. Nine, eight and eight, But, guys, I'm, I'm really sure they're not going to make the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say? Well, I think the predictions of the Jets were going to be an all-time worst offensive team were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I think going into the season and stacking their roster up against uh, the rosters that have scored less than 10 points a game over the complexion of an entire season, I don't think it was fair to say that. I think it was fair to say that the Jets would have a lot of offensive struggles. I thought having Robbie Anderson as your number one wide receiver was an issue. I think losing a Nunwa when he was supposed to be oh, your number man. one receiver. That was like the lowest of the low point. That was when you were like, yeah. oh, God, And then going, going from Decker and Marshall last year to a guy who was undrafted and a nice surprise. So I thought that was a huge issue, but the Jets have outperformed people's expectations, and I think rightfully so. They have a bunch of nice pieces. They have a nice core moving forward. The secondary has been a huge plus, and l- let's face it, guys have made plays offensively. Robbie Anderson's turned into one of the better receivers or top receivers in the league. <laughs> and don't kill me for saying that. I'm just saying he's, he's in a Jet system that isn't a – let's face it, the Jets aren't a great offensive team. And he's putting up no, he's making pretty darn good numbers every week. It's crazy. And this is why I handed it over to E-Man over here because he's the Jets guy. He's saying as it is, the Jets weren't really going to be that bad. I, I, I kept telling everybody, when you t- say a team is going to be historically great or historically bad, it's not that, that never happens. Yeah. Look, at, look at what happened in the Warriors, right? Everybody's talking about how they're going to sweep through the playoffs because they, 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 were, they were breaking the uh, regular season win record, and then that didn't happen, right? Because that's what always happens. A team that gets super hot and everybody keeps saying either they're super good or super bad, it, it just doesn't ever work out that way. And also, like, guys, Jamal Adams is really good. Yeah. Marcus yep. May fell in the draft to the second round. When you establish a solid secondary, you make your linebackers have an easier job. Six- you, you have the linebackers That's get... a little in- preview for you. <laughs> the <Sorry>. Tommy show. <laughs> the, you know, the, the Jets really had a lot of options, you know, to be at least decent. And you know what? Let's not forget this, and I know E-Man's going to understand this. If it weren't for that Dolphins loss, that really ticked me off because I picked the I picked oh. the, I picked the Jets to win that one, and then and then the the Falcons loss. If it weren't for those two games, what the, the the I think the Jets would be what six and three, right? They, they'd be they'd be in the playoffs. They'd, they'd be in the playoffs right now. And then even if you go as far, I'm not saying they definitely would have won this game, but you go as far as the Patriots game. Where but Safarian Jenkins was robbed of the, I pick, no, yeah. I picked the Jets to score. win that game. It's totally it, valid. Yeah, it's totally valid to think at this point that the Jets could be six and three or seven and two. So it's not only where they are that, that's it, surprising because four and five surprising. Don't get me wrong. It's the fact that a few bounces go their way and they don't collapse in a couple exactly. of games. They're in the thick of the division and, hunt, and that's my yeah. point. Is that if if and I'm I'm absolving the Patriots game because I I really wanted the Jets to win, but you know what? You're never going to beat the Patriots because I think the Patriots are crooks, and that's just my thought process on it. But <laughs> and I'm sorry, I know that's very biased, not very professional to say, but I just the Patriots just bother me on a cheating level, um, and and just the calls that they get is just ridiculous. But you know the the fact of the matter is is that if it weren't for the Falcons or or Dolphins loss. I would guarantee that the Jets would make the playoffs because if you look at the remaining schedule, that Broncos game is going to be a win, you know. And then all you got to do is either be a Saints team or E Man. Is it the the they're playing the Saints and Chiefs, right? After the Bucks this week, they go Panthers, Chiefs, which 
two not easy games. Let's let's face that. I don't think uh, the Panthers game is a given L though. Uh, okay. Yeah, Here's it, the thing. Out I don't of the think, bye, Paul, though. Before we go through these these game by game scenarios, I, I'm I don't think it's. I think the real question is how are they going to be able to hone in on this, you know, crazy dominant victory over the Bills, uh, and and have that you know momentum continue. The only reason I bring that up is because we could analyze. Well, no, it is worth analyzing teams that are good and bad. I'm just saying the Bills came in hot to that game, and they got dismantled by the Jets at home. I mean, truly, in every form and fashion, that game went in the Jets' direction, and that was a good Bills team. So, I mean, well, because I think they have the Bucks this week who are in absolute disarray, and it is an easy win. So, I mean, but Tommy, just to what degree are they going to continue to be hot? Because I would Tommy, say after last week, they're hot. That's the point. Bills, Jets, Bengals, those are three teams that could have been playoff teams or will be playoff teams only if you just switch around a couple of spots. Bengals were getting trashed on by everybody because of their poor offensive line. They they, they, they raise up the heat and they destroyed Tyrod Taylor and the Bills, right? Bills come out of, uh, come out of their bye week and get a solid win. Then Jets, Jets beat Jaguars and then go on a run, right? I mean, these are three teams that have the grit when they when they absolutely need it to to win the game. But the problem is that they don't have the requisite talent to overcome those games or those weeks when your 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 focus is not quite there. Yeah, and Mir makes a good point, and I completely agree with it. That a few games get flipped. Jets are six and three. They're, Just make the playoffs. They're definitely a playoff Guaranteed. team because you look at the remainder of their schedule and they're able to get those three wins. That would probably make them a nine-win team. Which, it's because of those divisional wins against the Bills. And, That's what does Exactly. It. And you look at the rest of their schedule now at four and five, Panthers, Chiefs, Broncos, Saints, Chargers, Patriots. It looks a little, a little bit daunting. And you're not sure if they're even going to get to eight wins. But if they were at six and if they performed in the games where they were up and didn't let a few slip away, you're looking at a nine-win team, and that looks like it might be good enough in the AFC because this year. Because also, if you look at it down the line, Saints look good, right? But Jets match up well against the Saints, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets beat the Panthers. So if you flip those two wins, you could see a, a Jets team that goes ten and six and has excellent divisional wins against the both of the well, sorry, one of the Bills games, and then on top of that, you know maybe you could you could catch the Patriots because the last week of the season, you know the Patriots are going to be yeah, resting. And they basically Brady. shut out the Dolphins, right? So my point is, Brady rests in the last week of the season. Bill, the Jets would win that game, you know. I agree. And then that would be it. There'd be ten six. I mean, something that's just wild about the Jets. Just, I mean, it, the overperforming nature has just been crazy, and I think Josh McCown really embodies that. He's just playing so well, and I think this is a hilarious point I keep making. But the Browns, the Browns, like four years ago or whatever it was, when they had Josh McCown. Everyone would have called them crazy if they did this four years ago, whatever it was, but they should have signed Josh McCown to like a five year deal for like thirty <laughs> million. And honestly, in retrospect, the way McCown has continued to just go from team to team and have these decent above average even seasons, it would be kind of a valid contract at that point. I mean, he's playing out of his mind and maybe, you know, Robbie Anderson does keep making plays every week and, and maybe it's partly McCown too. And I didn't think McCown was really just thrown under the rug this year as a horrible option. I was I was a person who didn't understand the McCown choice at all. I, I really? was I was thinking along the lines of Oh, I thought that was like one of their best ones. In, in, no, in the big picture of things, I didn't like the McCown choice. Oh, okay, now yeah, now short sense. term, sure, but heading into the year 
and I didn't know the Jets would get to this point at, at four and five, or potentially, as you said, six and three, if a few other cho- uh, a few other games, two, really, seven and Patriots two, game a few so games annoying. went in their direction. I didn't like the McCown choice because you have young quarterbacks there. They may not be franchise quarterbacks, and I don't think Hackenberg or Petty are going to pan out. But if you have them there and you're looking to wipe away the season, which is what a lot of people thought would happen, you may as well give them a look. There's no reason to run out a 38-year-old when you're trying to wipe away a season and then look towards the draft. You may as well play the young quarterback, and then if the young quarterback performs, you have your guy. But you may as well try. McCown's definitely not your guy moving forward. But I still think people viewed McCown as a garbage option, and he really hasn't been. He's been a really good game manager. He's made a couple of bad mistakes late in games, but that was kind of expected. And his mobility is something that has been off the charts good, and I don't think anyone expected that. It seems whenever yeah. he's in trouble, rolls out of the pocket, gains a first down, gains well, yards after the hit. And, it, that's, it's crazy. and that's the other thing. And I'm just That's my point. I know, Tommy, you got to keep going. But just I want to just end saying this is that people think that a quarterback needs to either be a Hall of Famer or a bust because we've seen in the same draft classes in back-to-back years a Ben Roethlisberger turn into a Hall of Fame type player and a Byron Leftwich being drafted the year before. I mean, that's what we've been attuned to. We've seen Tom Brady come out of nowhere. We've seen Peyton Manning. We had a golden era the past three, four years, like, you know, between 2004 to 2014 where there was some really crazy quarterback play and there were also some crazy busts like a Jamarcus Russell and, and even Joey Arrington, right? So I think that people don't want to understand that there are average quarterbacks like a Trevor Simeon, like like a McCown, uh, like a like a like a Hoyer. You know that if you put them in the right position and you you kind of you know doubt them enough, they'll they'll get some results for you at least. Yeah. No. I mean, it's like a it's like a philosophy of football, really. Uh, you know, I think the Jets are going to be five and five after this week. I really think they're going to beat the Bucks. That's a little foreshadowing to our future pick'em section, which is coming up. I will be picking the Jets in that situation. But for now, why don't we go back to Lauren again for the sort of other part of fantasy. Well, the second of three installments, the dud section. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Jordy Nelson's production has significantly declined with the absence of quarterback Aaron Rodgers. With backup Brett Hundley under center, Nelson has averaged only 4.9 fantasy points per game. Don't expect Nelson to bounce back this week versus a Bears defense that has only given up six receiving touchdowns this season. Although Rob Kelly scored two touchdowns last week, he only rushed for a total of 18 yards. Kelly should be in for a tough day Sunday while facing a Vikings defense that has only allowed two rushing touchdowns all season. Keep Kelly out of your lineup this week. The Jaguars defense has been holding opposing quarterbacks in check all season and will continue to do so with Phillip Rivers this week. The Jaguars defense has allowed 56% fewer fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks than the average fantasy defense this year, so stay clear of putting Rivers in your lineup this week. Both Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams are duds this week. Don't look to start either of Miami's running backs versus a Panthers defense that has only allowed three touchdowns, rushing touchdowns this season. Make sure to keep these names in your, out of your lineup week 10. All right, Lauren, stay with us for one sec. I just need to ask you a question. You mentioned Rob Kelly. What is going on with this Redskins offense as a whole? And, and, and do you see any viable offensive Redskins player, including Kirk Cousins? As, no, as definitely a, not Kirk Cousins. I, mean, I was going to put him on my duds list. I had Kirk Cousins this week on my lineup, and I said, all right, I'll play you for one more week. I'm going to give you one more try, and he got me eight, and he's just getting worse. So, 
I mean, I think he's a bad fantasy option, and this doesn't bode well for what's ahead because Kirk Cousins, speaking of the Jets in the last segment, I was hoping that you don't look to the draft for a quarterback. You take a step forward this year, and then you sign a guy like Kirk Cousins to a big <laughs> deal, and then you could have a really good core around a solid quarterback and move forward from there. The way the way he's been going, I'm not I'm not liking that outlook. Just been really disappointing for me, honestly. Uh, anyway, well, the Giants. <laughs> you should just retire. <laughs> yeah, I think from fantasy I'm going to. The Giants, though, the Giants are 1-7, and, and they have an even worse team Come on, Tony, let's Sunday. not talk about the Giants. Man. We got it. So yeah, why don't we run on. the report? Let's see, let's see what I got to say about it. season that had witnessed six defeats, the loss of Odell Beckham Jr., and which had generally maintained a downward spiraling direction, the New York Giants amazingly reached a new nadir of misery this past Sunday when they suffered a 51-17 walloping by the Rams. With the loss, phrases like tanking, quitting, and giving up have flown around the New York media this week, along with the most serious questioning yet of not only Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese's future with the team, but Eli Manning's as well. When McAdoo took the podium in his post-game presser following a 51-17 loss, tension in the room was palpable as questions regarding the future were thrown around with reckless abandon. You'd almost start to feel bad for the guy, but here's the thing. After seven ugly losses, a stagnant offense which has shown no signs of improvement, and the untimely suspension of two popular star players, it's certainly not an unwarranted situation for the second-year coach of a team with a talent-loaded roster and aging quarterback. For Manning, Things got a bit awkward when reporters asked him how he would feel about the Giants being interested in seeing what Davis Webb has gotten the remaining half of this finished season. There was no bombastic response by Manning in typical Eli fashion, but let's just say the veteran is not about to see someone else starting for Big Blue. Whether or not you want the Giants to tank for a top pick, Ben McAdoo and others who have a marked interest in not getting a top pick will without a doubt see to it that the Giants don't tank. And only time will tell, but maybe, just maybe, this team has what it takes to go on a mini win streak. It would all start this week against the winless 49ers in San Francisco. That game set to tip off at 425. Covering the New York Giants, I'm Tommy Aldridge, WFUV Sports. Well, that's that. There it is. There's week ten for you, Bear. Well, there's a lot of week nine and sort of a little preview into week ten, I guess. Nice job on the report. Thanks. I guess I think I got to turn the volume a bit down in the middle there, but but I hope you guys were able to hear what I had to say. I I think it's time to start calling out Tommy. You know, he's Go got ahead. this music. You know, from like <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys have seen the show Master of None or Broad City. I mean, I love these shows. Yeah. They're these hipster Bedford Ave kind of shows. Oh, you, you know? would. I, you would imagine like Do Tommy you know at one of those <laughs> restaurants. You know, that's really hip. You know, he's got this really nice music going on in the background. You know, he's got this really nice voice. And then you, have you noticed at the end of it, he goes Tommy Aldrich. You know, he gives <laughs> this like little like rich at the end. You know, it's like what are you like a Gatsby I'm, or something? Turning you know, NFL you know, Friday just, into a speech. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like just differentiating <laughs> my last name to it's it's Lamarcus not Lamarcus Aldridge like D G E but there is a C H at the end Aldridge so. <laughs> no but honestly next time 
Next time you hear one of my reports, just picture me in like a cafe with that music playing, and I'm not reading the report, but I'm just like saying it. And like really nice just, loafers walking <laughs> on a red I love carpet, it. you know. All right, enough like of this. This is just, I'm getting really bad images in my head. About the Giants? Side. So we're going to talk about oh, this no. week's game, <laughs> and we're going to talk about all the, the issues surrounding the Giants. And, and this week, they've really come to light, you know, because of one thing. So before we talk about those issues, let's talk about that thing. And that thing was really just the performance they put on the field last Sunday against the Rams 51 to 17 you guys did did the Giants give up was is that do you are you buying into that narrative that I personally believe the media is creating I mean I love going off track because I don't want to talk about the Giants man like the the situation with the Giants is they're done you know McAdoo's but gone we're gonna no, we're gonna talk about all this Jerry's Ben McAdoo but Against the Rams, what what yeah, happened? Yeah, no, they're done. They 51. gave up. Yeah, oh, they quit. Okay. They, they, yeah, they're done. They're, <laughs> I agree. They're done, man. <laughs> they, they quit. You know, they're like yeah. they're like a, a an army that's just been attacked by you know a bunch of you know like super trained uh, you know warriors, and they're they're outnumbered. You know, they got they got nothing around them. McAdoo keeps wanting to focus more on his hair instead of instead of building a better team. You know, he criticizes his players. I mean, that that's bad. You know, like I don't know if he's gonna head coach again because when you call out your your like players like that you know players when? don't when? forget about that you know when he called out eli i didn't like that he didn't really yeah, call yeah, he did. yeah he did yeah he did yeah he did yeah i remember we earlier in remember the season we talked about I, I, I hate to say it. I, I, Come on, dead man. serious i was there i actually was there for the press conference if you remember so, earlier like, in the season he said yeah. a veteran quarterback should know that when they were asking yeah. about a mistake eli made i just don't like that whole well, he's Persona not babying just, Eli. Just, no, dude, just but, keep it in house. Just, just be Bill Belichick about it. Tell Eli it personally. Yeah, I don't, I don't like a coach, especially the? with a guy like Eli Manning and all he's done for which that comment? franchise. I'm actually curious. Which com- I don't think what? he tracked. It, it was a while people, ago, so I don't remember. The, here's the, the thing: in the press conference last week after Eli, and and Eli has not had a good year, so I think it's fine to at least admit that. But, but he was being pressed. I mean, he these guys were saying. Are you going to put in Davis Webb? Are you going to put in Davis Webb? He didn't call out Eli, but in response to, you know, what's going on with number 10 and are you going to be in the quarterback, he was simply saying, you know, yeah, do I want to see him sack, fumble, Look, and throw a pick? No. but Tommy, Tommy, what it comes down to is McAdoo, for whatever reason, is considered was considered a good enough offensive head, head coordinator to become a head coach. But McAdoo cannot game plan. He cannot adjust the schemes. I mean – I know he's a great coach, and he hasn't had so much of a great season in college, but, like, Harbaugh, for example, is an excellent in-game adjustment kind of guy. You know, he can really adjust an offense to, to what works. You know, I, me, a, a, a college student, has been yelling about how great Will, Will, Wayne Gallman is. I even mentioned it to you, and then he went off, and then they go away from him. I mean— it's, it's kind of obvious that McAdoo, if he doesn't go for what works, he's going with his ego. It, that's what usually happens, right? When you don't want to admit something is right or something is working, it's because you didn't initially think that and you want to go with your ego. And that's not somebody who can be a head, head coach. Head coaches, their job is to get it wrong as many times as they get it right because if they get it wrong, then they can adjust from it. What does Popovich always say? I hate when we're going on win streaks because then we can't fix, you know, our, our our Spurs way. You know, the point is you make mistakes to learn from them and you get better. And so the Giants are like a front-running team. I hate saying that about my team, but that's what they were last year. They were a front-running team. When we got behind, we would lose. When we got ahead, we would win. And that's what happened. You know, when we had those big leads, we would always win. And this year we don't have that because our offensive line is even worse and people figured it out. See, I like coaches who – are hard 
hard-nosed coaches, and I like coaches who are laid-back coaches as well. I, I can I can side with either one. I don't like coaches who middle call out business, you who, know? yeah, middle business who call out their players to the media because I think it adds unneeded pressure to your team's performance, especially with the way the media can spin things out of control. So. The way McAdoo handles things, I, really, I don't like, and I think it adds unneeded pressure to a team that doesn't need any more pressure. This is yeah, they don't really like interesting to me. This is really interesting to me. Of all the reasons to to call out McAdoo and, and have his job gone, you guys are saying that he's been calling out players. I, I mean, the players actually called him out anonymously in the media this year. I, well, I now really, it's out of control. Again, I want to hear some comment references with some quotations okay, from you guys because so, okay, I so, don't – Remember at any so, point him calling out any players? So I don't remember exactly what the week was when I came Again, on. Again, this was week, week three, this week he conceded that the quarterback needs to play better, and that the, I'd say the most he gave to any reporter regarding the QB situation was that uh, they said, uh, "Are you going to look to young guys in all positions?" And he said, "Yeah, we're going to look at everybody." And so, then someone else goes, "Does that include the quarterback?" And then in classic coach fashion, he just goes. That means everybody. Well, yeah, he's saying. I think that's he's the saying, furthest he went. No, no, I think you're forgetting, Tommy, because that's what that's what he's saying now. But week three, it was the week that I came on. I, I, it was week three, yeah. Yeah, it was. They were calling out Dimitri Flowers, and he, instead of oh, instead he's of, a defender of Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers, he's sorry. a defender. Instead, he consistently Dimitri Flowers goes, plays for Oklahoma. I'm so sorry. Um, it, he instead of calling out the offensive line or Eric Flowers or saying they need to play better, he says. What was it? Eli needs Eli needs to play better. He's a veteran quarterback. He he can't make these kind of mistakes. Blah blah blah. Instead of instead of talking about the offensive line, so he, he completely veered from the offensive line point to throw his his veteran quarterback under the bus. Now you can do that if it's like you know you're the for example, 2004 Chargers and maybe the secondary isn't playing well. So you say, well, you know, Sean Merriman needs to do a better job covering for them. But I'll give you Eli has, I'll give you has, that. wasn't having a good season from the start. Neither was the, was the offensive line. So what's the point of calling out the quarterback? You and start that's what to he did, lose. Tom. You start to lose the respect of your locker room when you start making moves like that, especially toward a leader of the team like Eli Manning. And I think that kind of those kind of passive aggressive comments by Ben McAdoo, not necessarily ripping his players to the media, but taking jabs that maybe he normal a coach normally wouldn't make. That's where things start to go. On a slow decline, and, okay. and that's what you don't like to see. And I think that's what I, contributed I'd to the Giants' I'd give you guys load. that that he did take. I think, and it's fun, kind of ironic because almost in an overprotective, not wanting to call players out type of way, he. I'll give you that he did deflect some of the offensive line issues, maybe to Eli, because he. But you maybe don't do that when Eli can take it. But you're not. You don't do that when Eli's having a bad season, and you know how uh, the Giants fan base goes when Eli has a bad season. Yeah, it just it we just lose our minds. So let's just let's just talk about it because it's 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 really just a valid question. Hold on, real quick, something's got to happen next year. Jerry is going to be gone. Yeah. So, I mean. I think let's just assume we all agree something's going to happen by the end by the end of the year. But what do you think? The no, I'm going to ask you guys. Is some? It's a three part question. Is two part question? Is is somebody guaranteed to go? Uh, no, it's a three part question. Is somebody <laughs> is somebody guaranteed to go? If so, is it Reese or is it McAdoo or is it both? Okay, so for me, it's obviously both. And then they. But need do you? Re- I'm talking about what your. Do you? Would you throw money on both being yeah. fired? Yeah. That's a, that would be very significant because McAdoo's hated and he knows that. Like I mean, he no one likes McAdoo and Reese is going. 
because even reset it he's like it's my fault we're struggling i mean wow mm. at least he's man enough to say it you know and 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 the second thing that needs to happen is they need it they need to get an offensive lineman and trade into the first round as i've been saying get will greer or you can get baker mayfield in the third round it's your choice emmanuel are they gone i say McAdoo's definitely gone i say reese is has more of a chance of staying, but I ultimately think both go. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Reese. I, I think there's no way McAdoo makes it in the next season alive with the job. Alive, of course. I, I mean, alive as Like, in, makes it, yeah, like, you know, You know what I'm saying. It's symbolic. But Reese, I think, goes. McAdoo goes. Um, and I don't like all these people saying, just go to the draft and get a running back. If you don't have an offensive line... You're yeah, not because doing anything. you because I, you have a running back that can work in space already with Wayne Gallman, but they don't give it to him. So you know what's the point? And I, I kind of made this reference when I was talking about the situation off the air with the Giants and their offensive line. You put me in an NFL game, and I have the Cowboys' offensive line. I I may average a yard a carry. If you put me behind the Giants' offensive line, I lose nine yards every single carry, and, and I probably die. I, and I, pro- infirmary, I don't bro. make it out of the game alive. Nah. There's a big difference when you have an offensive line and you don't. So it's not as simple as going to the draft and getting Saquon Barkley. It goes further than that. They need to solidify their offensive line and then get a capable running back to run through it. Well, they don't need Saquon process. because because they already have Wayne Gallman, and they, if they need a running back in space, they don't need to go with a first round pick again or go with another running back in, that can work well in space because you got Wayne Gallman and use your first round pick for an offensive lineman or somebody else. This 49ers game this Sunday actually really going to be huge for the number one overall pick sweepstakes. Really, a lot of Giants fans, I'm sure, will actually be hoping that the Giants lose. I mean. I was going to think about posing one more question, but I honestly think we should just save it because we pretty much – you're just going to end up going in circles with the Giants. I was just wondering if if the record really is is an accurate of reflective team. of just a poor offensive line or if it's more than that. Because if it's more than that, then McAdoo should be fired or is one in seven – or is, is a bad offensive line really – that much of a hindrance as to really just blow up everything and make you go one and seven. So I'm not meaning to speak for me and E-Man, but the question I want to ask you is exactly the question you asked us. Like, because we seem to be on board with we don't like what the coach has done in the front office, and I think personally that the problems with the team, the fundamental problems are the the coaching staff. Because I said to you week three, they didn't go to Eli and ask him how do you want it done, how do you want the the system structured? Because they do that for Tom Brady with the Patriots. So I wanted to ask you, Tommy. What do you think they need to do for next year? What's, in your eyes, what do you think? Like, Do you think that their record shows the way it is because of the offensive line, the play? Do you think who's getting fired? Because we seem to have the same opinion, but what's yours? It's really tough. You know, I think some huge changes really needs to be made just because right now, even more than a ta- lack of talent, this team lacks an identity. And when you watch their offense struggle, it's like you know those same 11 players could just do better. And a lot of it is that they're just playing like pins and needles. Like everyone's afraid to make a mistake. So there's really just more than a talent issue with this team. So for that reason, I really do think significant sweeping changes are needed. So that's either going to have to be, you know, a coaching change, a philosophy GM change, or even a quarterback change. And Eli would probably be my last guy that's going to, I don't think Eli is going to be thrown out. But, you know, I do think Eli is sort of a part of this big whole identity issue. So something needs to change around Eli. I, I want to say it's the head coach, but the problem is is that with the head coach goes this offense that you've spent the past three years like learning. 
So I don't know if it's too late for Eli to jump into a new system. It's so and I, epic I, and look, questions ahead for New York. Do you I, think I, Eli, though, yeah. just one second, yeah. do you think Eli is playing badly because he's put in a bad position, or is it just because he's aging? I think it's really a bad position, and we, we might have to end That's on this. Point. I'll go, E-Man, real quick. Just a real quick comment. I think it's really 50-50. I think it's 50% that offensive line is yeah. atrocious. I think 50% it's the culture, because obviously last week, they didn't come to play. Yeah, I'll they just didn't say, come to play. I Things really were out of whack. Secondary. Didn't Eli, try. you need to know what you're working with. Never been a guy to win a game on his own. Needs. He's a great quarterback, but he's a great quarterback who needs more than a lot of other people needs time. So with that, our last fantasy installment. Lauren's going to tell us some sleepers for this week. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. 49ers tight end Garrett Selleck is a sleeper this week versus a Giants defense that is one of the worst in the NFL versus tight ends. The Giants have given up nine touchdowns to tight ends this season and an average of 14 fantasy points per game. If the Giants defense performs the way they did last Sunday, Selleck and the 49ers offense should be in for a big day. With Ezekiel Elliott's suspension, Alfred Morris is set up to be the Cowboys' starting running back. Running behind the fourth-best run-blocking offensive line in the NFL will definitely help Morris's case to be in your starting lineup. Although Rod Smith and Darren McFadden may see some action, look for Morris to be taking the majority of the carries. The last time Steelers wideout Juju Smith-Schuster was on a football field, he went off for 193 yards and a touchdown. Coming off the bye week, Look for Smith-Schuster to continue where he left off against a Colts defense that has allowed 23.7 fantasy points per game to wide receivers. And those are some sleepers to look for to add to your fantasy lineup in Week 10. One more, one quick question for you, Lauren, before you get off again. I have (laughs) Alfred Morris. I know you put him in there. But, I mean, really, truly, at the bottom of your heart, how do you think he's going to (laughs) perform with this this potential volume of carries. You think he's going to get me some points? I mean, running behind that offensive line, I like Emmanuel said, I think it's, it's not it's a different story if he's running behind the Giants offensive line. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely going to help him out there. I think he's going to be getting a majority of the carries. Um McFadden was not active yeah, very it, much yeah, this year. Yeah. You, you know what I think? I think Tommy has some nasty bet on his fantasy league because he seems really stressed out about <laughs> yeah, this right. weekend. Yeah, no, you need no, to retire. I'm just trying to go <laughs> Full disclosure, I am playing Alfred Morris. So that's pretty much the wrap of our show, but luckily we have one of the more entertaining parts to finish us off, and, and, and that's the pick'em section where I'm actually coming off of a loss. Very unfortunate. I think Emmanuel. I came up, I came up one, did, one win short. Ah, so yeah. one win away. Jimmy and Matt Constantini tied. Oh, there Jimmy they Sullivan are. and Matt Both Constantini. The They're behind the glass right now. Well They're done, co-chancellor last week. I'd bring you in, but you know what? You're too hot even to be a part of this. Exactly. We got uh, it. We got. We have to shove them off for the for the week. So let's do it. Cue up the music and uh, let's get going. Look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. So the first game of the week, at least on this list, at 1 p.m. It's the Chargers at. Jacksonville Jaguars. Miro, I'll start with you. I'm going to go with the Jaguars. Jaguars. I'm going Jaguars. This is a tough one. One of the more intriguing matchups for the Jags. And their top-ranked pass defense. Jalen Ramsey and all that trash talk going against Keenan Allen. Who knows, will there be a fight this week? I'll take the Jaguars for sure. All right, Steelers at Colts. Steelers. Yes, Steelers. 
Steelers, Indianapolis, too shaky of an O-line. Pittsburgh, good pass rush. I don't see the Colts coming out on top. Yeah, Indianapolis with too shaky of everything. I'm going with the Steelers as well. Browns at Detroit. Oh, man. Uh, I'd see this as an upset alert game, but I'm going to go with the Lions. Yeah, I got to go with the Lions. Browns lose, and they lose the next seven games. Agreed. <laughs> uh, I'm taking the Lions. So this is the game we talked about. The Jets at the Bucks. Jets. Jets, yeah. Jets steamroll line, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Jets are hot and Bucks are not. Saints at Bills. Oh, man. Um, Bills are not hot. Saints are pretty hot. They've won like six man. straight. Ah, Saints. Spit it out. <laughs> yeah, Saints, Saints, Saints. I'm going Saints. Uh, the Bills, their decline was evidenced last week. Yeah, Thanks. it was. Absolutely toppled by the Jets, and I think it continues. I told Rick they were going 10-6. and six. I <laughs> hope he doesn't okay. get mad. All right. Sorry, Rick. Give me, the, give me the Saints as well. So, Bengals at Titans. Okay, I'm going to go with Bengals. Ooh, Titans. I'm going Titans. This is like, this is a 50-50 tight game. Come on, game. Tommy. I'll take the Titans. Nah. Vikings <laughs> at Redskins. Vikings at Redskins. Okay, I'm definitely going with the Vikings on that one. Yeah, the Vikings defense. Redskins are getting healthy, and they have some momentum after last week, upsetting the Seattle Seahawks at Seattle. I'm going contrary to popular belief with the Redskins. No, I'm going to take the pick. Redskins, too. Yeah, no, I think pick. they yeah. need a win. They really need a win. The Vikings, they got Stephon Diggs coming back, but maybe Norman. I don't know. Give me the Redskins. All right, Packers, Bears. Bears. Mm, Packers. Bears, Aaron Rodgers should be the MVP every year. The Packers offense stinks. Sorry, I didn't mention this. The Bears are at home. I, I probably should have said that. Yeah, Bears, yeah, Bears. Yeah, I'm taking the Bears. I'm taking the Bears. Uh, <laughs> Lauren's like, <laughs> dang it. This is a chance. No. All right, it's over. Texans okay. at Rams. Texans, Rams. Uh, Rams. Oh, Rams. There we go. Rams. Rams at 7-2. and two. Who would have thought? <laughs> I'm still sad about Deshaun Watson's injury. This would be a great game. But now, Rams. Cowboys at Falcons. Ooh, Falcons. Falcons. No Zeke. Falcons do for a good performance at home. I'm going Falcons. Yeah, no Zeke and, and the Falcons at home. Falcons for me. Giants 49ers. One win out of... Go like, Evan Ingram. Go two, Wayne Gallman. Go Giants. Come the on. The two teams are like 1-19 on. On, on the year. 49ers. I'm, I'm no. all in for the tank. <laughs> oh, no. 49ers who aren't rushing Garoppolo but will still embarrass the Giants. Am I out of my mind? I think I'll pick the Giants to win. Yeah, no. Uh, there you go. <laughs> All right, Patriots at Broncos, the night game on Sunday. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game. I've been picking a lot of upsets recently, but I think this week there aren't going to be that many. Other than that, that Redskins one, I think I'm going to be wrong on that one. I'm going to go with the Patriots. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Pats. Broncos usually play New England tough, but I'm still going Pats. Broncos kind of stink. I'm going to take the Broncos <laughs> as well. All right, and the Monday night game, that's Dolphins at Panthers. Oh, man. Uh, Panthers. Yeah, it's going to be messy. Yeah, I'm going to take the Panthers. Miami offense is too shaky against the NFL's number one defense. Give me Carolina. Yeah, I'm taking Carolina as well. All right, and that does it. That is your Week 10 picks right there, and that's also the Week 10 show, NFL Friday. Thank you to everyone who joined us, Emmanuel Barberi, Lauren Russell. Mir Gorian behind the glass was Don Muscarella. Tune in next Friday. It's going to be week 11. Thank you.